Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz multi-instrumentalist and composer Tyshawn Sori. He opened up about his latest 2018 CD called Pillars. So this Newark-born artist is a big name in the world of jazz for his virtuosity, mastery and memorization of highly complex scores, and an ability to blend composition and improvisation. He's been around America and the world with the best in jazz and has eight critically acclaimed recordings. And since the fall of 2017, along with the recording, he has held the role of Assistant Professor of Composition and Creative Music at Wesleyan University. He's got stories, insights, and great tales, so please dig it. Okay, Tyshawn, thank you for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz. I appreciate it. No problem. Your latest CD, 2018's Pillars, talk to me a little bit about your artistic vision for this project. It started uh, several years before that, actually. like So I think it was probably around 2010 or so where I put together this volume of music or whatever. It would have been called Quan 2, and it would have been a follow-up to my second recording release uh, of the same name, but, you know, just kind of the second edition of it. But then what happened was, um, you know, I didn't really have the funds or a label to kind of do it with, so then I just kind of shelved it. But this was originally a project uh, with guitar, two basses, trombone, and myself and everything. So that was the original part of the project. And actually, Todd Newfeld and Ben Gerstein were both on that original project um, that I did at Roulette uh, some years ago as part of a residency. So that was in 2010. And then later on, a grant opportunity from the Shipping Foundation came, and I decided that I'd like to do that again, but I also thought of the idea of expanding the instrumentation and include uh, two more bass players as part of the setup, plus another high brass player um, as part of it. And so that's how that happened. The orchestration got... You know, I mean, actually, the size of the group got larger, but then at the same time, I also wrote some um, some different music also because of the instrumentation, and I had a lot of more, I had more ideas, I think, that were probably more mature ideas or whatever than what I had in 2010, so that I decided, well, you know, this will be the time to document something like that, especially, you know, with the resources that I had from the Shifting Foundation and all of that stuff and them supporting the project and all that stuff, it was possible for me to just do it. And so we did a we did a concert of the entire piece. We were, you know, we, we, we played the piece kind of in a shorter version, but we played the piece in Hartford, Connecticut one day before we went into the studio and then we were in the studio for the last, uh, for the two days after that. And that's kind of how that went. So you're yeah. out of Newark. Um, I want to know, what was your childhood like? How did you get involved with jazz? Well, just mostly from listening to the radio and that kind of thing and understanding that I didn't have to listen to things that, you know, people in my youth kind of told me that I needed to listen to or something like that or, or bought into any kind of social pressure on what to listen to. So I just basically listened to whatever I wanted to. Um, I basically recorded cassette tapes of the music when I would hear it on stations like WKCR-FM or WBGO, which is another uh, radio station that plays jazz, although they're mostly more on the traditional side of things than KCR was. But yeah, it was mostly through recording and making these cassette tapes of the music and listening to it, you know, all day, every day, and, you know, as well as a lot of other music. So that's kind of how that happened. What musicians or albums early on really influenced you? Well, it's hard to say i mean there were so many i mean well one um i mean i guess i recall getting some early duke ellington recordings or whatever a lot of those were very inspirational for me 
uh, particularly during his OK period. Also, the music of Charlie Parker, the music of Thelonious Monk, uh, a lot of different things or whatever. Like, uh, my uncle collected some records and everything, and sometimes I would go through his record collection and then listen to some stuff that he would get. Some of the more traditional stuff or whatever would be the things that i check out and stuff. So that was kind of more uh, my background. Yeah, basically listening to a lot of a lot of classic recordings and stuff like that. And also the music of John Coltrane later became a huge um, influence for me, you know, just in terms of what I wanted to do, you know, in music and what I wanted to pursue in music and that kind of thing. And then later on, I've checked out a lot of the music of Barnett Coleman and the AACM and people like that and uh, got heavy into late period Coltrane and that kind of stuff and just kind of, you know, just kind of checked out as much as I could, you know, but these were, but these are some of the earliest um, examples of recording. Oh, also Art Blakey and the Jazz Messenger. That was, that was a very big thing for me that's been on heavy rotation pretty much since I was in my, you know, uh, early teenage years. So that's kind of been a thing that I've always listened to. And also Miles Davis as well, who was another huge influence for me, especially conceptually, you know, just from a conceptual point of view and also from a band leading point of view in the way that, you know, his groups was able to generate real-time improvisation, but in a way that was very different from any other way that I've heard any other group do it. And so uh, so he was also a uh, huge influence for me. So these were a lot of the people who I've checked out or whatever in my early years and still check out today, even now, you know, when I still listen to some stuff. And as your career has gone on, you've been all over the nation, international, you know, we're only as good as the as the heroes that we stand on top of their shoulders. And you've played with lots of great ones, like Wadada Leo Smith, Steve mm-hmm. Lehman, Evan Parker. What have you learned from these cats that have had all these years behind them? That you can, you know, you can never be too old or you can never be too advanced in your career to stop learning. And that, you know, there's there's, there's never been a period to learn more about music and to learn more about, what one can do in music and one can how one can gain so much inner fulfillment through music. There's no better time to do that than now when we have so much access to all of this information and when you have the opportunity as a younger musician to be around, you know, such creative forces who have been doing this for many years and who have who have had to um, you know, fight for their work and who have had to fight for self-definition and to fight for um, their ideas of creativity and that kind of thing or whatever. When you're around people like that, I mean, the tendency is to, you know, want to become those people. And so I feel like, you know, uh, being around Evan Parker and Roscoe Mitchell and Richard Abrams and all of those people, I mean, it's just, it just made me want to become, you know, those people. And it inspires me to, you know, uh, you know, get to the standard that they've set for, you know, what one can do in music. So I'm very grateful to all of those musicians for that. After his critically acclaimed albums and all of the all the roads that you've seen in jazz up to this point, are you happy with your career? I mean, the question is, am I happy with my career? Well, you know, it's 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 ended up where it's ended up where I'm more of a composer than a performer, and I'm perfectly fine with that because that's kind of the direction that I've been going anyway in terms of what I'm doing. In my own music, although I'll be recording a sextet recording in a couple of weeks um, of my own music and stuff like that, which is definitely more jazz than anything I've put out 
Um, and so I'm very much looking forward to that. But, you know, I'm very happy right now where things are, just in terms of me being able to really focus deeply on my own work and, you know, and, um, and spend a lot of time focused on that and writing music. And also, you know, as an educator, it's been very good for me. Um, I've had the chance to meet, you know, nearly four or 500 young musicians over the last, you know, maybe seven or eight years um, at the Banff Center where I would work with, you know, students there and kind of cultivate working relationships with some of the students there and to be able to also teach them and that kind of thing. So, you know, I'm very, you know, I, I feel like I'm very fortunate right now and it's a fortuitous period for me in terms of what I'm doing musically. And so I hope that that will never end. What's one of the first live jazz shows you saw that really, really moved you? Uh, a show with Dizzy Gillespie at Newark Symphony Hall. Um, I was maybe about seven years old or seven or eight years old, and I actually went and met him there. You know, I was maybe seven or eight years old, and I don't remember quite what he said to me, but he was uh, very encouraging, and, you know, and I was, of course, the only young audience member there. You know what I mean? In fact, I don't think that, you know, kids were really allowed to go to this concert because it was a late-night concert, and, you know, he was there. I guess he had been there for an engagement or something like that um, in Newark Symphony Hall. But I went anyway, and uh, my father took me there, and I remember, you know, meeting him in the back, and he would let me mess with his mutes and stuff like that, and I would ask him, you know, just really benign questions. You know, what is that thing that you put inside the trumpet, that kind of stuff. And so that was definitely, you know, one of the first, or if not probably the first memorable performance of live jazz music that I've heard, um, you know, in my city. And another another one was when I went to the JVC Jazz Festival. I was maybe about 14 or 15 years old, and a friend of mine took me there. And um, at that concert, I saw James Williams' um, intensive care unit. I saw the Elvin Jones Jazz Machine there, and I saw another group bearing down with Joey Barron, uh, Josh Roseman, and Ellery Eskelin, uh, who were playing there at that time. And I had had I hadn't even heard of you know those other groups. The only group that I knew was the Elvin Jones Jazz Machine. I believe Roy Haynes also played that night too. I mean, it was just a incredible evening of music, and it was right outside in Bryant Park. I remember uh, going to that uh, in New York. It was. Um, an amazing performance and you know and that those concerts to me were like it didn't you know I didn't really necessarily think of doing it as a life's work you know just in terms of you know making some kind of career out of it but it was something that I very much enjoyed doing and, and it's something that I always wanted to get better at you know every time I would do it and so I would see all of these musicians playing all the time you know where I would go to jam sessions and go to things like that festival and go to other things out in New York, even though I was underage, I mean, I would still go and check out things, and, and that's what kind of drove me to, you know, want to become a musician, to make some kind of living, hopefully, you know, doing the music I wanted to do, and so that was, those were fortuitous periods for me. Why do you love this creation known as jazz? What is it about this music that moves you? The way the music makes me feel, I guess, I can't really put it into words, because it's an abstract thing but um but definitely it's it's something that I've grown up with and it's something that um that you know I I feel a very close relationship to the idea of um you know make making art you know and not necessarily making art for the sake of entertainment and everything I've never you know I've never really looked at a lot of the musicians who I respect or a lot of the artists uh whose work I pay a lot of attention to I mean I don't think they've considered themselves necessarily 
you know, entertainers, you know, people who are just, you know, people who are just kind of trying to make music to earn some kind of money or something like that. Of course, you want to earn money from doing this, but at the same time, the amount of craft that, you know, all of these artists have put into the work is so valuable uh, to the point where, you know, it, it, it makes me want to, you know, put put something into it, you know, whenever I'm listening to the music. And the music always makes me feel really, really good. So every time I've listened, you know, to some kind of improvisatory music, it was it was it would always be something that, you know, wow, you know, I I feel like I want to do it was always that for me from a very early age. And so I can't quite put into words how uh, why I like it so much, but it's but it, because, like I said, it's such an abstract thing, and it's something that's just such a lived-in part of my life experience. You know, to the point where it's hard to kind of say it in words. But I, I will say that, you know, just seeing how much art um, these musicians put into their craft and everything, I can definitely appreciate that because I was always interested in creating things, also. You know, and to you know see people who you know, who are doing that, who are doing that day in and day out, you know, like, you know, all their whole life. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's just something to see, you know, it's, it's something to, you know, really think about, you know, when one is um, listening to the work, you know, right on, right on. So mm-hmm. my final question for you is this, everyone has their version or perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, but you right. run your life, you know yourself best. Who do you think you are? Well, I think I am. <laughs> I just am. You know what I mean? I I, I can't. Uh, you know, I mean, I I don't like to really define myself too much. I, I guess I could say that I'm a person who is in this for life and who is in this music, you know, for life, and has has always been committed to uh, producing work that I feel speaks to me and that I feel hopefully can speak to some other people and everything. And if you know, and if you know, if I'm not here to inflict it on those who don't want to appreciate it. I mean, what I do is designed for people who really appreciate art and who can really uh, take it all in and who could, you know, who could maybe hopefully get something out of it to, you know, get some kind of fulfillment out of it, you know, for themselves and that kind of thing. And, you know, I'm trying to make music that expands one's consciousness, you know what I mean? Because that's the music that I grew up listening to, music that kind of, you know, hopefully expanded my consciousness and got me to some areas of learning that I probably wouldn't have done otherwise were left to my own resources. So, I think um, I'm a person who is definitely more about more about that than anything else, and that's why I say I am because that's how it's always been for me, you know, just in terms of my growing up and everything. And so, yeah, that's I think that's what I have to say about that. Right on, man. Hey, thank you for yeah. taking the time out today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, no problem. Thank you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Newark, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Tyshawn for his time, honesty, and stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.